Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is the Apocalypse Nerd coming to you live for the 10th episode of Podcast Act Round Zero. And number 10. Yay! We've made it to double digits. We've run out of fingers. We'll have to move. We'll have to take off our shoes if we're going to have any more episodes. Uh, well, unless you're mutants, then you know we could probably go one more at least. Oh, good point. Sadly, <laughs> not enough mutants. Not enough mutants. Uh, that is, of course, uh, Adam Scott Glancy from uh, Pagan Publishing. And joining us again this week, uh, co-host, is Michael Vorhala, the uh, publisher of... The publisher of, or the... Owner operator of Owner operator, man, I got it all right. The king of Siam, everybody. Owner operator of Skirmisher Publishing and the publisher of D Infinity uh, Live magazine. Um, we're having Mike on for this today because he, he posts he uh, does again uh, apocalyptic gaming and it's gonna be relative and re relevant and uh, it's been a long week and it's only Monday. Yeah. Uh, to uh, gaming. So uh, tonight we are going to talk about my absolute favorite role-playing game of all time, Gamma World. Yay! So uh, this will probably be one of many episodes related to Gamma World because there's just so much to talk about. So so strap in, kids. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of Gamma World. Yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get a lot of run out of this because even I would like to try in the future is maybe see if we could get. Mr. James Ward somehow on here. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if you would do it, but I would like to reach out and try, you know. So, all right. So uh, I'm going to kind of skip and the news this week because, again, I really don't have anything. Uh, I, got me... one, I got one thing. Oh, go ahead. I got suckered into um, – well, I shouldn't say sucker, but I got suckered into downloading uh, through my Xbox uh, State of Decay. And um, so far I've only put about 30 or – 30 minutes to an hour into it, but oh uh, State of Decay is not terrible. State of Decay has more promise than most zombie games. Um, it's kind of interestingly primitive. Uh, it seems uh, they've done a pretty good job. Uh, the animation is the animation is sometimes primitive with characters wandering through each other and problems using the perspective on the camera, but <coughs> the world seems fairly interesting so far. And uh, you know, combat is clumsy. You're not a god just hacking your way through zombies. Your weapons wear out. Your ammo wears out. Then, your vehicles. Then why would I want to play it if I'm not a yeah. god? Yeah, exactly. You, you, you really, you can't just rambo your way through it, which I kind of appreciate. You have to, you have to be sneaky. You have to choose your battles. Um, oh, yeah. It's it's tough. Yeah, because I I got it as well. Uh, so I played a little bit too, and everything Scott said about it is true. It's very. Um, it's more, you know, more grounded, I would say, is, is, yeah. you know, for lack of a better term, uh, on that. And I really like that you can switch between characters. That was a nice touch. Oh, yeah, you, different characters. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a pretty good game. Uh, State of Decay, which also reminds me of, I did, uh, Xbox had a free rental. Okay, I guess I do got something. It had a free rental like two weeks ago. State of Emergency, 2011, a weak uh, crazies uh, clone movie. Okay. Um, it was okay for what it was. There's a couple of interesting little twists, but it was free. You know, if you get if you get free, if you can see it for free, go go ahead and see it. You know, it's you know chemical explosion. People go. People are crazy. You know, a couple of characters. There was one. What I like. There was one really good line in the movie. Uh, I don't remember it exactly, but it was something to the effect of because there's a couple survivors. You know, called married couple, and the guy's like, 
it's the apocalypse and she's still got me doing chores. <laughs> Nothing's going to change that shit. Nothing's going to change that shit. That's and, not changing. You know, there's actually been uh, a number of foreign entries in the whole post-apocalyptic genre. You know, and some are better than others. Uh, <sighs> European, German, and Spanish, and, and French post-apocalyptic movies tend to be a lot more low-key than American ones. But some of them aren't that bad. They're worth a one-time watch, and if you've got yeah. Netflix anyway... Uh, there's one I watched recently called um, the uh, Extinction. Extinction. Uh, I've heard of that. I've, I've heard of that. Uh, I want yeah. to check that out. So was, you know, uh, that, that's that's worth uh, a, a watch because you know if if it th there is a certain cultural dynamic to this genre, and yeah. uh, you know, as Americans, we tend to have certain fundamental assumptions about what the apocalypse means. And actually, it's kind of cool to see what, what Asians or, or Europeans, uh, what their spin on the apocalypse is. Uh, so, you know, for anyone who's on Netflix, I would encourage uh, looking for, for Extinction and, and any of these other movies because they're coming out at a, at a pretty, you know, steady clip these days. Well, like, like me and Scott have talked about in the past about different post-apocalyptic novels, to, mm -hmm. like, different perspectives of the apocalypse. So it's, it's really easy to find American and English. And English, the Brits seem to have a, a thriving post-apocalyptic you yeah. know, genre, but I, the one we always, right. were, the only taste we got of the, the, the Russians was Metro 2033, and it was great. It was great to get that, because I always wanted to know what was going through Ivan's head. Mm -hmm. But um, it's tough finding uh, anything outside of that that's been translated into English, especially. Yeah. Now, going back 50 years, I mean, do you consider something like On the Beach to be a legitimate uh, post-apocalyptic movie? I yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, not, they're, not, they're not killing zombies in it. It's pretty morose, but well, okay. Oh, no, no. Mike, the apocalypse isn't just about zombies. You know, that's sure. just, that, that, that is just one subgenre. But brought up on the beach. The idea that you know, but it's a post best post apocalypse shows you how how your everyday life changes after things go bad. Mm -hmm. It's not just an action movie, or it's not about a series sure, of action. Right, right. right. I agree with you. The best stuff is uh, the survivors from England. Uh, hell, the yes. thing that's cool about the things that's cool about State of Decay is how much time you got to spend looking for the supplies so your little community of eight people or six people or whatever can make it through the next week. Right. Speaking of Terra Nation survivors, I did again. Okay, I guess I'm coming up with things. Um, Terra Nation Survivor is being adapted for as an audio. Uh, book story by big. I think it's Big Fish. Big Fish Productions, who does a lot of Doctor Who and of Blake Seven. They're doing. Uh, this, they're doing Survivors. Oh, is is Big Fish the guys here in Seattle that make all the video games? The the game a day company. Uh, maybe it's not Big Fish. It's some. It's Big Song. I, I I can't remember the top of my head, but they do a lot of Doctor Who. Now, I'll look it. I'll, I'll look it up and see if I can find uh, find out something while you're telling some more news. Yeah. So it's uh, they're doing Terra Nations. Uh, the, the first, it basically based on the uh, on the uh, the TV series. So there's going to be multiple series. The first one's going to be coming out like June of next year. So they're, you know, 2014. A lot of the original cast. So they're doing like a radio play type adaptation of it. So it's pretty pretty interesting. So that that's coming out. And. Um, the only other thing that I saw was they've released a couple of, not really gameplay trailers, but some trailers for the Mad Max game that's coming out next year. Big Finish. Uh, big it's Finish, not Big, big finish. finish. Big Finish. Big Finish. Big Finish coming out with uh, Terra Nations uh, Survivors uh, audio, so that should be good. Uh, Mad Max the video game coming out next year. There's been a couple Basketball. of 
Come, yeah, it, it's looking good so far, but we'll see what happens. You know, I also th I also thought Aliens was going to be really fucking cool, but... Oh! <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that, no. There was a couple of days there where you're like, look, it's okay for what it is, and then finally you're like, no, this is this is ass. I, I can't I've finish got, it. I've got a big bowl of ass, and I can't finish it. I just... <laughs> yeah. Screw you, you cheap bastards. Uh, exactly. So uh, no, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that now, Mike. We've talked about it a little bit. I, I didn't want to bring it up. Well, I when we talk more about zombies, we'll, 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 we'll talk about it. But oh yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's yeah. You know, my, you know. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Gamma World. Nineteen seventy-eight. James Ward uh, came out by TSR, which was the second post-apocalyptic game that he had put out. The first one being Metamorphosis Alpha, which came out like a, like two years before. Two or three years, I think 75 or 76. I can't remember off the top of my head. Basically, it took Metamorphosis Alpha, which was Apocalypse in Space, which we talked about before, on a generation ship. Now we put it on the Earth. So uh, they developed and changed it. And we have, oh, break out. My original box set. I've had this since about 1982. I'm uh, sorry. Original box set. That's your set from 82? It's yeah, amazing. my still. How is that? How is that still in, in intact, dude? It is. I, I played mine well, until it collapsed. Well, look, look. Well, look. There's okay, you know, okay. tape on the corners holding. Okay, okay, holding that's it together. better. I feel better. I feel less like a vandal or a Visigoth. The, the, the fuzziness oh, of his image oh. is helping him with this. It's like old actress syndrome. There's there's <laughs> a, <laughs> on, on the lens. Well, I mean. Well, here's the rule book, and you, you can see how beat up and worn it is. Yeah. Trust me, this thing traveled many back pockets and traveled around. You know, I so always don't, loved don't that cover wrong, image, by the know? way. I think that cover image was great. I remember seeing that in advertising the old White Dwarf Man um, and, and Dragon. I always uh, said that was really a track here. I wish, I wish he didn't dis uh, disappear from the art world, because he did. He just totally pulled out. Who like, was that? Who I think that he had a little... David Trampier. Ah, okay. Oh, oh, Tramp. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Tramp did uh, a lot. He disappeared. The, the, the rumor last time anyone ever saw him, he was driving Funny. a cab in India or something. Yeah, because he because he got screwed over, wanted nothing to do with it. It's such a shame because he has such beautiful beautiful work, you know. And uh, oh, look, look, look. Here's on my box. Okay, I was mapping out. There's the Gamma World module in Dragon Magazine 52, Caverner of the Subterrane. I was. Trying to map out the sub the substation uh, control room. So well, that uh, was out of that was out of uh, Dragon Magazine. Yep. That was the first adventure I ever played in for uh, for Gamma World. Nice. The first one I ever played. That was 1982. Yep. I still got characters in here. I got all kinds of shit. So, anyways, this game, this is one of the first games. Uh, I mean, I originally played D and D. Uh, I think once, and then uh, next I started playing Gamma World. It was just a random thing. A friend of mine uh, with my cousin, we played. Uh, Albuquerque Spaceport was the first adventure I played. Oh, that that one was always hard. Yeah, yeah that, that was one. That was one that was geared for a total party kill. Oh yeah, but that was my first experience, and I loved the game ever since. So you know, uh, I just kept on playing it. We had ongoing <laughs> campaigns. And speaking of Dave Trampier's work, I'm gonna have to flip my camera, take my camera off, and move around here. It's backwards, everybody, because the camera's backwards. But this. Right up here. No, it's it's looking forward. I'm seeing Gamma World is here, baby. Yeah, that, looks good. That poster was TSR printed as a promotional poster originally, 1978, oh, uh, wow. 79. 
and um, sold it at Gen Con. And actually, I found out there's actually multiple printings of that because my, my that printing originally has the lizard logo from TSR, which is the original logo. Uh, there's ones with the lizard, well, wizard's logo. But anyway, that poster is rare, hard to get. I wound up lucking out. Scott remembers when I was doing this. I got this for about $110 on eBay. Oh. I've seen them go. I've seen them occasionally on eBay. Uh, I've seen it go for. Uh, three, four, five hundred dollars. You know, it's crazy how rare it is. You know, even my, uh, the guys at the Gen Con auction have talked about how. Yeah, I've seen a couple of those come through over the years. You know, so but that's my pride and joy. That poster, it's right above my desk. I look at it all the time. That is dry mounted, framed with uh, preservation archival glass, so it doesn't fade. You know, I spent a lot of money framing that fucking thing. You know, so that's you know, <laughs> more more money than on the poster. Uh, you know you what? Pro probably. You say dry mounted? I thought this was a family show. It is. A family <laughs> show. There, 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 there's, there's more than just kids; it's families, Mike. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So, Gam World. Um, don't don't make us bring up Buck Naked. Right? Buck Naked. Right? <laughs> now, Gam World uh, is kind of a. Uh, the original setting was a kind of that '50s kind of. You know, futuristic. A lot of people call Gam World. They said it was Wahoo. They said it was very over the top, very you know, silly, ridiculous. It can be like any game if you exactly. want it to be. Yeah. It, it lends to it. certainly as written. I mean, and I, and our our evidence for that. Oops. But you know what? You know they're not because they portray them as being silly. But really, come on, nine foot tall rabbits that can, can you know um, uh, transform your metal. Oh, gee, so wizards and get and uh, all right, look, it's, it's, rock, it's, I'm not saying it's. I am not saying it's it's less dumb than a rust monster with a propeller on its tail. Okay, I'm just saying that you know when the hoops turned up in my campaigns, I was like, you know what, this metal turned into rubber thing. I'm ignoring it. They're just big crazy anthropomorphized rabbits. I can't go with the crazy mutation. Not the least of which because. For some reason, that was not a mutation you could roll on the random mutation table. Nope. Exactly. You know, what a ripoff that is. So so the game is, you know, considered is pretty silly, but again, it's very that it's got that kind of fifties future. You know, it's got ray guns and, and and space cars. But they I mean, but they do paint a good picture of the because it took place far in the future and then it was after the future. You know, far past that, like hundred and fifty years after the yeah. so, they, so the Earth had advanced, you know, to where they have ray guns and robots, right. cybernetic installations, think tanks, cyborgs, you know, all high tech, you know, Buck Rogers kind of. But remember, it is it's Buck Rogers high tech. It is not the high tech we're living in now. No. It's the high tech from more than thirty <laughs> years ago or yeah. and more. You the know. high tech of an analog world. Yes. Yes, um, computers are still giant. Nobody's got Google glasses in the right. in, in Gamma world. Uh, there's no nanotechnology. Um, right. Well, you know, not, not until sixth edition, but that's yeah. But well, the original, <laughs> the charm of the original one is, is it's this crazy solid state electronics right. sort of future. You know, at the time it was it was befitting. It made sense at the time. You know, it didn't even now. Well, so I, well, it's it's 50s radiation. Yeah. Yeah, it's 50s radiation. You get radiation on you, you either get, uh, you either become a superhero, you know, or a threat to civilization, you know, uh, as opposed to your lymph nodes, your lymph nodes <laughs> swell up 
and you shit your liver. I mean, which is what happens when you get radiation. But, In real life, right. Yeah. 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 I, re I, I prefer the gamma yeah. version of radiation. Yeah. Right. But it was like out of the thing, not the thing, uh, them with the giant ants or the incredible colossal man. Radiation, uh, radiation has made me a, menace, this is a, a enemy of society. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, it was that kind of radiation. So, and plus, very, very comic book radiation. There was one. Uh, there was a uh, uh, one of the one of the fulcrums of the game was this idea of so-called cryptic alliances yep. or secret societies that exist after the apocalypse. And the mm -hmm. one that came out. There's one that came out in Dragon Magazine. Um, as a list of minor secret societies. And the one that made the most sense to me, considering the mutations in the game, which are like, I have laser eyes, I have wings, I can breathe underwater, I have a force field, I'm invisible. The, the, the secret society I love was the ones that had found a comic book store. Yep. And determined that comic books were like a Bible, a way of life. That, you know, if you have mutations, you have to get a silly costume with a cape and go out and save people. Or fight the good fight, or fight for truth, justice, and the Murrigan way, or whatever they, whatever they called Murga um, uh, at the time. Yeah, and I, I thought that was, the, the, super, the mutant powers and mutations are very much like something out of a, a comic book from the, mm -hmm. the Golden Age. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, they got the cryptic alliances. They got the powers. Now, mutation. Like I said, you, you had you had you had your main, you had um, you had your pure strange humans. You had which are the, the regular humans, but they're superhumans because of you know advances in medicine. Uh, you had mutants. You had um, I don't think in the first edition you had mutated animals as player character choices. Oh, I think they did because I remember people rolling up plants. Well, no, um, Plant, no plants and and and, and, and uh, mammals, like animals, are different. I'm talking. It was just um, no, they did have mutated animals. I stand corrected. Okay. Um, for some reason, I didn't think they had that. Um, but they also had yeah choices for mutated plants. Now, mutated plants as characters is where I draw the fucking line. Okay, my <laughs> my damn world campaigns we played, we did not have mutated plants as characters because we thought the idea was stupid. You know, we did not. But a lot of people are like, oh, it's great because it has plants. No, it's dumb. Okay, I can see mutated animals, the mutations, the radiation. We didn't play with mutated animals as player characters. We didn't allow it. We didn't have it. But people could. It made sense. But plants, no way. They were, the... they were uh, encounters. They were monsters. They were not player characters. They're playing, look, I'm a cactus. Wheel me around. You know, it's so <laughs> dumb. You know? Well, well in fact, now that you said cactus, wasn't there, wasn't there a, um, an AB3, an Al Bruno Third thing about playing Gamma World? Yes, I believe there was. Where, yes. where one of the characters takes a cactus... As his character, mm -hmm. you know, and he's like, I got multiple limbs, so my cactus will walk around on his penises or something. It was his his brilliant decision? And and actually, there, you know, this you're old school, Jared, and so am I. But I recognize that there's this trend in gaming, and we saw it with D and D slash D twenty. So in the D twenty system, uh, where there's this idea that okay, uh, we want to have a system that can accommodate playing anything that a player would want to play or a DM would find uh, appropriate for, for his or her game. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I could see very well why you wouldn't want to have uh, plant player characters and why you would want to draw the line there and why, why you would ridicule it. But the idea that you would have a system that could accommodate that 
or anything else, anything that you would throw against people as a monster, having a system, a graded system whereby someone could also play that as a character, I think that that says something about the system uh, as much as it does about people's uh, individual tastes. And, and frankly, I like that. Well, let me ask you a question, Mike. Let me ask you one question, because I am not familiar with the latest editions of D&D. Um, once upon a time, you know, we had our list of races that we could play, and certainly, you know, coming out of TSR, Gamma World was sort of built the same way. Here's the races you can play. Um, uh, it didn't have character classes, which is one thing I like very much about Gamma World. Yeah. Um, until 4th uh, edition, then they started having character okay. classes. But when it originally came out, there were no character classes. Nope. Um, the one thing I, I the one thing I, I do remember that was odd is that there wasn't any way that I don't remember any way to acquire experience points. There get, was it was get, very minor and in the back. Yeah, okay. Uh, so you could get better at your attacks and things if you yeah, okay. real base stuff. Okay, but um, uh, are you saying now that these latest editions of D and D actually have options for? I want to play a lizard man character. I want to play a hobgoblin. Well, I want to be, you know. Let me, see a seagull. Let me, let, me answer that? That, let me answer that question the best way that I can answer it, all right? Uh, when you say the latest editions of D&D, &D, if you're talking about 5th edition D&D, &D, honestly, I cannot answer that because I don't play, or not 5th edition, I'm sorry, I stand corrected. that's the one in development now, 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons. I've played that a couple of times. Uh, I got handed a character. It's something that Skirmisher has a uh, license to publish for, and we have a couple of authors that, that write material for it. What you can and can't play in it, I really don't know because I don't play it as a game. So yeah, the game is... Because it's, it's, a minute, it's, it's a miniatures game now. So. Yeah, it's a miniatures game. Uh, so I don't know what you can do with it, uh, Scott. But uh, the game that I develop right uh, for right now is um, <clears throat> D20 3.5. We still publish a lot of 3.5 material, uh, and then Pathfinder material is very, very popular. Pathfinder extremely material, po extremely popular. Uh, Pathfinder, <laughs> you know, which some people dub D and D 3.75, uh, <laughs> is a third-party system that's more popular than D and D Fourth Edition. And in those systems, you can in fact play a lizard man or a veggie pygmy or uh, anything that is is available. As as a as a monster, when you uh, look on the uh, monster, hold on. Did you say a a veggie pygmy? Wait, well, it was, was wasn't that from uh, Expedition to Barrier Peaks? Yeah, I threw that in because it's a plant monster and it's uh, from Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. Oh my uh, god! But, but, Scott, at the end of every monster stat block in in Pathfinder or or uh, in OGL three point five, at the very end of the monster stat block, it says uh, veggie pygmy or lizard man or Rust monsters as player characters. It says that right at the end, and then it tells you what you need to do to play that monster as a player character. And, and, now, if everybody's playing some weird-ass monster, is that going to be a good game? Is that going to be a fun game? Is that going to be compelling? I would say not. Uh, yeah, I'd say, you maybe, know, maybe for a one-shot, but for long-term... For one-shot. No. But, but, you know, but, you know, could you have an ongoing campaign where one of the characters was, in fact, a lizard man? Yeah, we did that in my D&D &D game. My dad played a lizard man, and we were able to come up with all sorts of feats. In the I, 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 I bring up lizard. I bring up lizard man. I bring up lizard man because I'm not mistaken. There was a there was a list of of, of pre-generated characters in the back of one of the old D and D books, and I remember which one it was from uh -huh. Advanced D D, where they they had a character who was killed, and they couldn't get him to a cleric to resurrect him, so they, they got him to a, 
they brought him back as yeah, they went and took to him to a druid, and the only spell was reincarnate, and he randomly got lizard man, which well, I thought was in the in the classic uh, fantasy novel, Quad which you all might be familiar with. One of the characters in the party in Quad Keep is in fact a lizard man. Uh, that goes back, you know, 40 years. So, so yeah, uh, in, in the current editions of the game that people are playing, maybe not the most current official incarnation of the game, but the actual incarnations of the game people are playing, you can effectively play anything as a player character. Backing up slightly to Gamworld, the one thing I want to throw out the, the difference is Gamworld had, a, had a, just a, a bestiary in the back that was clearly written on acid. I mean, it was all over the place. There are some brilliant things in there. My favorite being the mobile cactus that is used as a desert mount. <laughs> there was some mobile cactus that was like a plant that, that, that moved along, and people would have these specialized saddles, and they'd strap stuff to them. They were like the camels of the desert, you know. Um, but, oh yeah, I can't remember what it's uh, called. I mean, there was there was things like the centisteed, which is the horse with too many fucking legs, <laughs> or or pod, or pod dogs, you know. Yeah, or the dogs, the dogs that are big enough to ride. There's a number of amusing steeds. The one that I always really liked was the damn cactus from the desert. Anyway, yeah, I can't remember what it's uh what it is. But, Guys, look, um, see, my, look, look, see, Scott, look, the pages are coming out. Are you happy now? See, I am. It's, it's I am. Very, happy. It's very well worn, but um, I am happy now. No, I was going. I was going to say that that bestiary, despite the fact it was, you know, very extensive, and it was all had all kinds of stuff all over the place. Um, the rules didn't really give you an opportunity to play any of the creatures from the bestiary, which I thought was a kind of a, you know, kind of a bummer uh, that you couldn't go. Okay, I'm going to take, you know, whatever the rabbit of the, the hoops, or um, you know, one of the other uh, mutant species, uh, the Orleans. Or uh, the serfs, and I'm going to play a surf character. I'll just take well, that. Well, if you had a career, I mean, if you, again, rules are meant to be are guidelines, and of course, if you had yes. a, a creative D, a creative DM, you you could have played wherever you want to. But yes. again, the rules did. I, I see the rules did not lend to it. It was right. like exactly. you're a, you're a human, you're a mutant, you're a mutated animal. You know, you're right. you're Napoleon, the mutated bear who runs the you know the ranks of the thick. You know, so um, so Gamma World. Again, uh, the first uh, scene is a bit of a joke, a bit of wahoo. Again, it all depends on how you played it. We played it more serious. We had a serious take to it. I mean, it wasn't a hard science serious, but we took it serious and played it serious. That's why we didn't have plant characters. As well, that's, that's because these. it was the only, it was the only it, option for playing something that wasn't fantasy at the time. Yeah, well, it, it was. It's really not. It's not a science fiction game. It is really a science fantasy game. But people think it's lighthearted. But let me read a little bit just from Dragon Magazine 156. There was an article by Roger Moore. He was a big uh, TSR guy back in back in the day. Okay, yep. and he wrote an article talking about fear is good because people think Gamworld's a big joke and oh, all the monsters and squishy things and you know things like that. So, but he talked about how back when he was in the army, like his characters. You know the players didn't take Gamble seriously. You know, you know how and how deadly the world really is. Because again, it's not a game where you accumulate hit points from levels. Here's your hit points. That's it. You don't get any more. So healing's slow. There's no magic. You know. So they he wanted to uh, to show a point of how deadly things are, like death machines. Okay. So he he uh, you know waylaid his players in the when he was in the army. He told everybody. Pick your favorite deity 
for the AD&D game. Because, again, the systems were compatible at the time. Anything. Right. They anything, were basic system. Yeah, anything from Monster Manual, anything from Deeds and Demigods. Pick your favorite, most powerful uh, god or deity, whatever you want to have. So, so they all basically played all their gods, super monsters, and they met on and they say they met on a desert, desert plane to meet their opponents because there's going to be a big fight. And he says, uh, "Quote this is from reading from the article." Suddenly, a huge space-time warp opened up in front of the incredible assembly, and out of the alien warp came three brand new, fully armed, fully powered death machines on random programming. Two gods died in the first ten seconds of combat, each taking over seven hundred points of damage. A third god died before the before the minute-long fight was over, and two go- two gods, including Demi Gorgon, fled the battle and other pets. <laughs> okay, all the rest of the deities were pounded with atomic missiles, lasers, bombs, rockets, shells, bullets, force fields, and death rays. Thor bent the nose of one death machine with Molesner, uh, uh but a nuke took, but he took a nuke in return. Okay, and he and he did say that if not if he had not used random attacks on it, all the gods would have died in thirty seconds. So, any, so all the att- all the attacks were randomly directed, as opposed to strategically or tactically directed. Yes. By an intelligent, you know, by an intelligent uh, source. Yes. So he t- goes on to say that none of his, none of his players in Gamble games have ever thereafter stayed within uh, within sighting distance of a death machine. Okay. So he was just trying to prove the point that the game really was deadly and how much damage these things could do. You got to be careful. So. I just always like that analogy. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a whole little art because he's talking about James Ward and his character in his, uh, you know, where he said, you know, he says that James Ward's had, he's playing his games where like a fleet of death machines is uh, taken out by a field of mutated crabgrass, you know, so, <laughs> you know, uh, so he's just trying to say that, you know, fear, it's good to have fear in a campaign, you know, it's a trans call through different games like that. And he, and he tried to show them that, hey, you know what, this world's not a joke. You know, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. So I always like that story uh, about the game. So Game World, again, favorite game. Because, again, I read a lot of apocalyptic stories when I was a kid, and I really enjoyed the, the, the environment, the game, the, the game master I played with. Uh, there's been seven editions. The games were around for 35 years. There's been seven editions of the game. The most recent one just coming out, um, what was it, two years ago? Uh, um, pull, pull out a couple of copies of the uh, so you can flash the cover art for the other uh, editions, please. Yeah, 2010 was uh, here's the latest edition. This steaming abortion of a game. Okay, uh, I'm um, not really sure why they're calling it a role playing game because it feels like it's a card game. It is. Well, we'll we'll get into that uh, later, but because um, it's with the fourth edition rules. Now we had uh, first edition. Uh, second edition. I'm a first, second edition kind of guy. This one came out a couple years later. So, yeah, second edition is the one that I was in love with. That was, yeah. I mean, first edition was good, but that second edition that works some bugs out. They, yeah. yeah, they refined it a little more, worked yeah. some more stuff, gave a little more structure to the game. Uh, color! But, it's in color! Your map of, of post-apocalyptic America is in color. Welcome to the 20th century! Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, what? you know what? I might be able to find your... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Where is his cactus steed? Hold on. Because they have yes, to... because there's illustrations of the monsters in second edition. First edition was just a, a paragraph. Um, I think it's there right. it is. It's, yeah, right there. Yeah. Wow. What the hell's it's, it called? Uh, What's it called? Uh, pine toes. It's a horse cacti. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
This mutated thornbush is neither a horse nor is it a type of cactus. Anyway, so that's a, <laughs> that's a second edition, which is very close to the third. I, we always kind of played a bit of a hybrid of first, second edition. Third edition came out, uh, number like 80, I believe, uh, 86 it came oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this one had all kinds of charts, because I think it was basing its system. They changed the system around. It was based more of, like, I think, like the Marvel superheroes uh, rule set, I believe, because uh, I think that's the one that had the... Um, the um, the charts, like it had all these, like you know, charts or determining things. It was, it was way, it was way overcomplicated. It didn't yeah. need to be, it didn't need to be like that. Yeah, um, and, it was, and I was a little annoyed that it suckered me in with such, with that beautiful cover. Oh yeah. And um, when it came to like going back and buying all the old, you know, finding all the old Gamerold stuff on eBay, it, I I I went and tracked down all the first edition, second edition stuff, but oh boy. I don't think I bought anything from third edition. Well, I have, well, I have everything Gamble because that's what I have to do. Because that's who you are. That's who I am. So, um, so there was that. That fourth was, was all. Fourth was the alternative stuff, right? No, no, no. Fourth was oh, I don't know what the fuck my copy of fourth edition is. I thought I got it out. Fourth edition came out in '91. Uh, fourth edition was a th uh, had had more similarity to first second edition rules, and actually. Fourth edition Gamble World is kind of the precursor to the whole D20 system. Because if you look at it, you look at the rules, it was like it was like the very, you know, it was like proto D20 system. Mm -hmm. It was the very early stages of it. So that's where I think the D20 system eventually stemmed off of. This was back in like 91. Yeah, and, it, and as Scott pointed out, there's a connection there with the alternative system. Because that would have morphed then five years later into alternative. And alternative then is what uh, they used as as the direct jumping off point for D20. Yeah. So uh, turn, uh, so the fourth edition was good. You can, it was very interchangeable with um, first and second edition. They added some classes to it. They tried to give it a little more structure. Fifth edition came out in the late 90s, and it used the alternative system, but it came out right when alternative was dying. So nothing ever came out to it. With it. Yeah. Alternative didn't last real long. Yeah. So that, 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 that came out right at the end, um, and there was no... Now, uh, uh, the 4th the edition tried to take a little more seriousness to the campaigns. It, it got a bit... It, the 1st edition... Okay, let, let's explain here. Right. 1st first, first edition had, like, three adventures that came out. Very random, traditional D&D-style modules. Right. That was it, you know. Uh, they came out with a couple of modules. 2nd edition continued the tradition with, with some modules. You know, 1st edition had the Legion of Gold. Uh, it had Farthamna Fargo. It had Albuquerque Spaceport. Second right. edition came out. It had two additional modules. It had the Cleansing Wars of Gritty Black Hand and the Mind Masters. Okay, again, very D and D style modules. There was actually supposed to be a fifth GW five module called um, Rapture oh, of the Deep. Thank you, Rapture of the Deep, uh, which was rumored to have been in development. But I actually uh, emailed J James Ward about this a number of years ago. He goes, to his knowledge, nothing ever came out of it. It was ne it was nothing was ever written for for it. Yeah, we ought to publish one. We ought to what? do it. Well, it's, well, it's been... Published for... Well... Well, actually, there's a fan-based module, Rapture of the Deep, which came is out... There? There's, well, there's a Yahoo group, Gamble Yahoo group, that's been around since about 99. Um, it's pretty big. There's a lot of people on it. And they actually... It was a fan-made GW5. Now, the pro I had problems with that module because of this. Now, besides the games, besides the modules... Uh, there was uh, content articles wrote uh, for 
Dragon Magazine. Also, James Ward wrote articles for it in Polyhedron Magazine. Okay, so anything that James Ward would have written, I consider part of the canon. That's canon, right? Yeah, that's total canon. Exactly, now, I agree. Now, things that they said in the fan-based uh, Rapture of the Deep contradicted stuff that was said in uh, some of the content that he wrote, because he, he wrote about cryptic alliances. He, he wrote this whole series about cryptic alliances in the Polyhedron Magazine. So a lot of it countered it. So I wasn't I was kind of like, well, no, because this, this, and that. But it was a great yeah, effort. I'll lay odds that the big problem there is those guys never had that article. Yeah. They never had access to it. Oh, yeah. Well, I got, uh, I got, I got it all in the closet. But, uh, you know, uh, so but there was a, besides the Polyhedron Dragon Magazine, Different Worlds Magazine had some content. Uh, Aries Magazine had some articles. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of Australian magazines. There was Australian Realms Fantasy Magazine had some articles. Okay, so there's been a lot of shit that's been put out there, and I've you know spent a good time tracking it down. I even have two modules that were put out for Mass Con, Mass Con Fusion 1984 competition modules that people have you know put out there. Okay, wow. that, that were con okay. modules, you know. Um, so first and second edition again we're very very D D. Here's your rules, here's some modules, okay? Third edition uh tried to take a little more structure to it and have like a module uh be in a series. Like they had this whole arc and campaign of like five or six modules that was a long term campaign. You know, actually I, I have those. I was about to say, you know, um I, I actually have some of those third edition uh campaigns and games. Uh, but I don't have the third edition rules. I and just have the, the uh, I just have the, the the modules. Yep. And it ended in GW10 uh, Epsilon Cyborgs. Uh, a lot of this was put up by Kim Eastland, but they never came out with G11, which was supposed to be the closing of the arc because they dropped the edition like they always do. So yeah. Um, a fourth edition, I think, kind of picked up the editions again to try to be more comprehensive because that was, I think, at the time that Forgotten Realms was starting to come out with a lot of stuff and give you world settings and giving giving you a lot of base to base your adventures on. So they tried to do that with fourth edition. They came out with um, the the overlord the overlord of Bompar, which is a whole campaign setting in like the Midwest and it gave all the politics and they came out with a bunch of modules for it. And they came out with a bunch of different resources for it. You know, um, so that was pretty cool. You know, they came out with a bunch of different resources like Treasures of the Ancients, Gammonites. Gammonites was a board game, but that was also your source for uh, all the information for power armor. So they they kind of separated things out a little bit, kind of like they did with uh, with D and D back then. So fourth yeah. edition was was pretty part, good. Part of that, part of that, I think, was definitely you know uh, a desire to want you to buy everything. Yeah. So if you have all your if you have all of your power armor rules in the main booklet, why do you need this Gammonites thing? Oh wait, you need it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that so that was that. And again, they tried to be a little more comprehensive, a little more worldly. Uh, Alternity tried to be a little more serious and gritty. You know, was uh, you know, yeah. any any kind of any kind of campaign uh, setting they they described took place in Seattle. So, um, but again, nothing much came out of that. Now, excuse, then me, it was, that, excuse me, that's the city of Saddle. Saddle, thank you. Saddle, S A D D L E. Saddle. Now, um, after that, it was a number of years, but then uh, White Wolf came out with uh, the sixth edition of the rules. Which um, is pretty. You which can't, is pr take, the, you can't which, take the pretty away. We got It was multiple books, you know, Game Master's Guide. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good resources that they had there, 
And it was with the D20 system. Now, again, I am not, a, as I said before, I am not a big fan of the D20 system because uh, I, I just don't care for it. I, and I yes, I have played it uh, for quite some time. I just don't care for it. Now, what I now what they did with this setting, which I did not like, was they tried to be science. They tried to be real. They tried. They, they got too real. They got too hard science with it, to where there was no mutations. It, it was there was no mutations. Yeah. No radiation. There's no mutations right. in it. It was all nanotechnology. Uh huh. Did everything. Which yeah. you know what. At the time, I guess makes sense because that's when all that stuff in the mid to the mid aughts was starting to be more prevalent in the mindset well, of people. Nanotechnology became the fucking hand waving thing that every writer does when he wants something fucking magical to happen, but he has absolutely no technological way. He doesn't understand right, physics right, or right. medical technology right. or genetics, so it just goes ah, nanites, and that's what right, I fall back on exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And, yes. and so instead of the magic of radiation, you know, to make Peter, to That's make good Peter, point, Scott. It's a good point. To yeah. make Peter Parker into Spider Man, it's the magic of radiation. Uh -huh. It's uh -huh. the magic of nanites. Uh -huh. Yeah. So it wasn't a very good addition, but they tried, didn't care for it. But it, then they came out with, like I said, the abomination that was not even, it wasn't Sam, it was D&D &D Gamma World role playing game. It's not Gamma World. It's D and D Gamma World. This thing, this thing is based. <laughs> this thing is based on the fourth edition D and D rules, which again I've never played, but I've had them described to me at length. And boy, does it blow! Okay, because they really are trying to get the. <laughs> they were really trying to get the the game. They're trying to get the computer game across. Like, look, it's like playing. Um, you know, it's like playing World of Warcraft. It's like Except this, it's this not. This is fourth edition D&D, though. Uh, so they both grew out of that same phenomena. Oh, yeah. role-playing's dying. Uh, we need to market to the kids that are playing the video games. Uh, and basically creating an abomination that might have a right to exist, but should not bear the name of the original game that it bears. Thank you. Thank you. So that's what they did with this, because, you know, Basically, fourth edition D and D is a miniature game. You're like, no, it's not. It's like every yeah. every every game, every module I've ever seen for this is is based on. You have to have a map. You can't do combat without a grid map because yeah. of all the complexities of well, what's square? What hex is in? Da, 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 what degree? You can't do it. And it's like, look, here's a new here's a new module for you. It's a bunch of maps. There's no substance. It's all Combat the combat the combat. Right. You know. Followed co by combat with some combat, you know, on the side. Yeah. And then well, maybe combat chaser. Yeah. Now, of course, um, thank you, Scott. Uh, but, of course, um, people will say, well, it's not the rules that dictate how the game is played. Yes, it is. Okay. Now, wait a minute. You're, you're contradicting yourself a little bit uh, well, insofar well, as... Uh, but I, 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 I'm not going to say rules, but I'm going to say mechanics. Okay? Mechanics. Um, yeah, sure, sure. Mechanics. A accommodate uh, a play style. Yes. Yeah. Mechanics, of, mechanics dictate play style. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people say, well, it doesn't matter what the rules are. You can play however you want. Right. But then, then why did you buy this particular rule and set? And why are the rules written like that? 
the vast majority of the people who are introduced to a game are going to play it according to the way the rules were written. Yes. Yes, you could change. It's like, but you know what? If you're going to change it so much and play by your own rules, make your own damn game. Now, but you're, buy, you're, you're buying the rules for a reason. Now, now it bears mentioning, uh, it, it, now that we've gotten to the end of talking about the various editions, uh, it bears mentioning the retro clone, clone versions of the game that are now available. Yes, uh, that, that when people went out and decided they're going to make something like Gamma World, they didn't stray too far from second and second no, edition and first they edition. Not. They did not. Uh, so there is, in fact, a, uh, a company called Goblinoid Games. Uh, they do a game called Mutant Future, which is a retro clone, a uh, retro-devised version uh, of Gamma World using uh, open source documents, and it looks very much like a cross between first and second edition Gamma World. It's like the game that, that you sort of uh, hit upon, uh, Jared, you know, a, a hybrid of those two early editions. Um, it's, it's actually a great game. It's a lot of fun. It can be played as gritty or as whimsical uh, as you want. Uh, and if anyone's interested in checking it out, Goblinoid Games has a free uh, graphics, free downloadable version of it on DriveThruRPG. Uh, so people could actually download a copy of that uh, for free. Oh yeah, isn't there like a isn't there like a free uh, Gazetteer of the World where you can uh, for Mutant Future where there's like a you know a, a big primer on? I I don't know. Uh, I, I I will say that that uh, Skirmisher Publishing and D Infinity Magazine. We publish a lot for Mutant Future. We have a license to publish for it. Uh, it's sort of a subsidiary license to the D20 license uh, by a circuitous uh, method. Uh, so, you know, here's a recent copy of D Infinity magazine. And every issue, we have a couple of articles uh, that are Mutant Future uh, articles, which read like early Gamma World articles. And in this one, in fact, we have an entire um, uh, adventure. There's an entire adventure in this magazine set in the ruins of a mall, uh, <laughs> of all places, culminating in the oh, food nice. court. Um, and then on, on the D-Infinity website, uh, which is d-infinity, d-infinity.net, we've got uh, new uh, Mutant Future material going up every week. So if anyone wants to check this out, my point is it's cheaper free to do it. They can download a, a text-only version of, of the game for free from Goblinoid Games on DriveThruRPG. They can get free content to play with that game on my dinfinity.net uh, website. So, uh, you know, if somebody wants to get the flavor of what you're talking about today, Jared, they don't have to buy that abomination and put up with it. They don't have to spend hundreds of dollars on eBay. They can actually get a retro clone version of the game and lots of free uh, third-party publisher uh, content for it. Excellent. Uh, I would um, also throw out uh, Darwin's World. Mm -hmm. um, that is... Yeah, now I believe, actually I'm looking at this, and I believe what I'm looking at is, I'm sorry, I, I was just trying to look up some stuff on my computer about Darwin's World. Um, I think, there we go. Um, yes, the, there is a Darwin's World um, Gazetteer that you can get for free, which is a PDF document um, that is uh, 1.7 megabytes. Uh, it's, let me just see how many pages long this bad boy is. I remember it being fairly substantial. Yeah, okay, let's try this. Um, yeah, yeah Darwin's World came out in the early aughts. It was based yeah, on the yeah, D20. Based on the D20, it's a D20 yes. system. And uh, there's some fairly... I, I have some... I don't have all that all their content, but I would do have some of it. Uh, there was one module that they came out with, which I thought was great, was um, 
metal gods. It was basically going to like some kind of. I think I've got that. Some kind of cybernetic installation and robots, and it's very Gamma World, you know, because the game is kind of Gamma Worldish. It's just a different, different future. It's like. But you, know, you, you can go to. I was going to say you can go to Drive Through RPG, and there's a there's a gazetteer for the for Darwin's World. So if you want to like read what their campaign background and their world looks like, <laughs> there's a great deal of material, and it's like a forty page free document. You can just you know download from Drive Through RPG, and it was yep. uh, done by a company called. RPG Objects and the author oh, yeah. Dominic Dominic Covey, and again, very retro Gamma World, um, absolutely look, worth a look. Uh, you know, if you're uh, interested in sort of not hard sci-fi post-apocalypse, if you're looking for a post-apocalypse that looks like Gamma World or Thundar the Barbarian, <laughs> you know, this new, is a future Darwin's world. And again, it's it's all it, this again. Like we we're, we're uh, folks, we were talking about before we went on air about um, is Gamma World still relevant in this day and age of you know computer games and uh, role playing yeah. games? Absolutely, it's like right. you, know, you know what? Because why would there be seven editions? Why would there? Right. They keep they keep trying. They keep trying to get it right. You know, again, the last edition. Well, I'll talk about that at length and what's bad about that another time. You know, the let's talk about why why Gamma World is still relevant. I, I yeah, think that you're it is because they're still they're still putting out uh, editions. Number one, and people are still copying it. People are still yeah, copying right. it. If there are retro clones, that means that that people are yearning what? for the best that that game had to offer. Yeah, yes. there's, there's there's still retro clones. They still love it. People still want it. They still want that. They want that yeah. that style. That feel. Of the game, it might not be Gamma World per se, but it's that right. world setting. Yeah, you know? exactly. And also, uh, Scott had mentioned that it's you know there's like even like like Fallout for example. Yeah, I, know, I, is, I, is I pushed Fallout. I pushed Fallout at Mr. Wallace. I think I ran across it first, and I was like, this is really close in a lot of ways to Gamma World, and that the mutations are you know sort of there's plenty of off the wall mutations. Uh, there's plenty of robots. There's, there's it's a future with. You know, Buck Rogersy death rays and atomic powered cars and uh, battle armor and uh, all that kind of and <laughs> plasma guns. So it, it it sure it has kind of it goes from a Mad Max feel to you know a, a boy and his dog to all the way to full on gamble with with giant battle robots and mutants mutant sidekicks and the whole nine yards. Yeah, uh, and certainly certainly it's it, that seems to have held through. All the way through Bethesda's uh, Bethesda's use of the license yeah. for Gamworld, but to, I'm sorry, Bethesda used the license for Fallout. It really does feel like a retro future apocalypse. Oh, yes. Buck, Rog Buck Rogers' world blew up. Yeah, the fifties, right. the fifties view of the future, which is kind of how the first edition uh, kind of was. You know, black ray guns and things like that. So. Yeah, it's still very relevant to say all the retro clones, all this. I mean, you can look up Gamworld on, on Google, and you'll come across so many different fan sites, so many different uh, things that people put out. There, oh, there's also a, there was another version. It wasn't a. It was ah, oh, what the fuck was it called? It was um, another clone. It was a clone during the D20 era. That I think, did Robin Laws do it? Um, I think it was Robin Laws. I, I can't remember. Oh, that is not ringing a bell. But um, what you think? It was Robin Laws. It was one. It was one of those guys uh, in that crew that put out. It, it put out a version. Basically, it was. I think it was around the same time that the Gamma World uh, uh, Sword and Sorcery, uh, you know, came out, and it was. Oh God! 
I so I, I, I'm looking it up right now. He's got Jack Vance on his uh, bibliography. Or his, his bibliography. He's got Jack Vance's Dying Earth role playing game. Um, yeah. which, is, uh, it, which is really fantasy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I okay. love. No, no, he did. He did put out. Some, he did put out something. Oh, I can't remember what it was Vance, Vance did, but it's Raider, not. Uh, let's Dying see Earth is supposed to be far-flung future, but it's a future that's so far-flung that magic has been reinvented. It is pretty much straight fantasy. The spell-casting system from D&D is actually directly based on uh, descriptions of spell-casting in the Dying Earth books. He did, a little, he, he did a little writing for the Underground RPG, but Underground is a dystopia. He also did that. He also did some work on Over the Edge, but that's also a dystopia. Um, I'm not spotting anything out of his, uh, uh, describe the system. What was it? What did you think it was? Oh, it, 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 it came out in, it was in a magazine. It came out in like, mag, it came out in a magazine. It was, oh God, it was during the D20 era. Um, Omega, thank you, Omega World, it was called. Jonathan okay. Tweet. It was Jonathan Tweet, not Robin ah, Moss. Okay. okay. You, it, was, it was in that crew of guys. You yeah. know, uh, Mega World came out uh, in September of 2002, Dungeon Magazine in Polyhedron 153. Um, it, was yep. based, it was very Gamble World. It was supposed to be very Gamble World like D20. It was before uh, the, the uh, White Wolf edition. So there you go. So there was, there was that kind of that, not official edition, but it was kind of a very Gamble Worldish type game. Uh, for the D20 system came out. So, uh, yeah, so it's very, again, you look up Gamble to find all these fan sites. There's still that Yahoo Gamble group, which is very active still to this day. It's been around for like 14 years. You know, I mean, I even run a Gamble page. You know, I try to post, you know, again, you know, like I put a post when I can, but a lot of people like it. So there's still, there's people out there who still like the game, love the game. You got the old grognards like us who like it. And, you know, you know, you probably don't have as many newer folks as, yeah, we, as um, we'd like. But. Just just looking it up, Omega World is a small mention on the main Gamma World web page for, in Wikipedia. Uh -huh. And it is written, you know, 2002, Tweet wrote it, came out in D Dungeon 94, Polyhedron 153, uh, got the thumbs up from the old school Gamma yeah. World fans. Yeah, so you know, Gamma World, again, you know, very relevant still. Again, they came out with the, the 7th edition um, which again is you know fourth edition rules. I was actually at Gen Con when they were actually doing the uh, launch, meeting, the launch meeting of it, and I did actually get to ask the questions. And actually, it's on video me asking the question of uh, why, why did you go? Because if it, so, people know they didn't just go back. They took it. Seventh edition is a joke. They took it from the stance that Gamma World is a Joke. It's right. not serious. Right. Yeah, the, the joke and the jokiest yeah. thing to me was, um, and it was uh, it stood out to everybody was that combat was so was randomized to the point where it was like a fight between Yosemite Sam and Daffy Duck. Uh, your your character's abilities, your character's change. powers, your 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 character's uh, mutations right. were randomly drawn as a hand of cards. Is that what they yeah. were? At the yeah, beginning it of in first edition, just just uh, to play devil's advocate here. No, 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 no. You randomly redeal those powers every, every combat, combat round. Oh. Well, I don't know if it was every combat round, but basically every. Oh, how horrible. That's asinine. 
Oh, yeah, every you every know, combat you have round. You have all these cards, and it's like your mutations will change from combat to combat. Your weapons will change from combat. It's kind of like how between, in the fourth edition, you know, between combats, you're completely healed and you're ready for the next combat. What? It's like an arena game. It's like yes. an arena combat yeah, game. That's it. And it's like everything's completely random. That's not a role-playing game. I don't think you can. I don't think you can play a, a pure straight human in this game. It's all about. It's all about. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a yeti cockroach. You know. But, but, it's, but it's worse than that because you're not a yeti cockroach next time. Yeah. You're right. You have to re. You have to redeal. Right. You're. you're con- Everything. There's no character. Well, that's why they say that it's designed for. You know, when you don't want to play your serious D and D, said your serious D and D campaign. This, this is something <laughs> That's you just can, too serious for you. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to play your serious D and D campaign, you can use this as a one shot. You know, because it's not designed for long term <laughs> right. campaigns. Because no one's going to want to play it twice. That's why yeah. it's a one shot. Yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. Let's go ahead, right there. And when I was listening to these guys, they're talking how they're fans of the game and the original and da 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 da. da and I asked them, I go, then why did you design it completely? Goofball, wahoo over the top, you know. And what they say? His, his the short answer was, and I respect him for saying this, because that's what we were told to do. That's orders from corporate. Orders from corporate. He was completely honest, and I actually I think it was Keith Keith Baker or or, or Tom. I can't remember yeah. his name. I can't remember who it was. Um, I actually want to have a breakfast with him the next. I actually had uh, had breakfast with him the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about it. He was a after nice they, guy. After they spent a romantic night together. Yeah, well, you know. He's <laughs> a real nice guy. Yeah, you know, he's a real nice guy. You know, he says, yeah, he's, he's smart. Things. He's like, this is what I had to do. This is this what is they what told me to my do. Pa- my paycheck said do this. My paycheck said do this. That's why they went. But again, it's <laughs> it's a Stephen pile of garbage. It's awful. Everything's random. It's, just, it's, it's terrible. It's like, and then they come out with the expansions, more maps. It's, just, it's all, I mean, some people are probably like, oh, I love it. It's great. You know what? Fuck you, okay? It's a piece of crap. <laughs> you know, it's uh, Jer- Jared, you, you do not, you're not on trial here. Just because you think it's a piece of crap doesn't mean that anyone's going to think less of you. In fact, yeah, I, yeah. If, uh, you, if you were in love with it, I would, I would, you know, want to be checking you for lobotomy scars. But, okay, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad game. Uh, and, on, Jared. Something that struck me as an epiphany uh, some time back was that you know you we all know that you've got a certain class of fanboys in our industry, and mm. what makes a fanboy cool is not anything he's ever done. What makes a fanboy cool is what he thinks of what other people have done. So a company like Watsi will come out with something that's a steaming pile of crap, and a lot of people are going to say. It's so wonderful. It's so great. They've got to say that. They got to say that to validate their own existence. Yeah. Uh, so you don't, uh, and that that says something for for you and and Scott and me. But some people are not going to be critical. They're going to be uncritical of anything that comes out because they feel that that's what they have to do to validate themselves as a fan of the industry overall, and that's kind of pathetic. They're the same people that slam third party and small publisher stuff. That's true. Yeah. Now the one yeah. thing I the one thing I do like about the game, and I've talked to Mike about this uh, kind of extensively, is the cards. Okay, now don't get me wrong. I don't like the whole you know, you got to buy all these cards to be collectible. You don't have the cards right. to be this special you know, random mutation thing. I like the idea of cards because it's a throwback to if you remember D and D in the early '90s did like spell cards. Okay. Yeah. And oh means, yeah, it was a great way to cards. organize. I right. like it's because all, all I know is when I was playing D and D back in the eighties, 
When I was a spellcaster, I kept my fucking spells, each spell with all the vital stats on a 3x5 card. Yeah. Because it helped keep you organized or your cleric could pick your spells for the day. So if they came out with something for, like, say, the early edition stuff, like, here's a deck of the mutation cards. So instead of yeah. maybe even just randomly rolling, you could randomly pick them. But those are your mutations. But you have it as a reference, so you don't have to write it down. Yep. Maybe it's, it's in your hand. You can always, okay, what does that do again? Quick reference card. Or and, and even better, if it's an exhausting power, once you've you, you've burned it for the day, you turn it over. You know, you yeah, do, exactly. it helps you right, organize right. it. So yeah. it's not it's not bad for that. And even for artifacts, it's not bad because it's like you know what? If say a DM's like, hey, you know, I'm gonna have all these I'm gonna have these five particular artifacts. We used to do it with play. magic items. We used to make our own three by five cards for our magic items just to keep them sorted. Exactly. And you have it, so you don't have to write down. Here's your device. Here, it's a great, it's a great resource device. Now, again, the way they use it is, everything's random and you get collectible. But I think as having a, you know, mutation cards, artifact cards is like a resource deck for managing your characters and your campaigns. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I've actually talked to Mike about that. You know, so yeah. it's like that. You know, about you need to do that for your mutant future stuff. You know, so yep. uh, yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a really good option because God knows. Um, any game that involves your the acquisition of toys and stuff, um, you know, your character sheet becomes a bit cumbersome. You know, yeah. how many sheets is it going to be of gear or personal possessions? But wait, which personal possessions did I take with me? Oh, wait, I'm going to make a whole new list. You know, of course, I'm talking from the analog days. Maybe it's just easier with a, you know, with a tablet. You just highlight the things you're going to use or whatever. But uh, having a solid card to represent which gear is coming with you, it, it feels like a throwback in some ways to like, like how you'd organize your character in Talisman. Yeah. You know? yeah. But at the same time, I think there's some use for that. I think it's really useful. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, last thing, uh, one thing I did forget to mention is also Gamma World had um, back in the early days, late '70s, Grenadier Miniatures. Oh put yeah. Put out miniatures. For Gamma World. Now, this is the original blister pack. Oh my God. Okay. All right. There were 52. I don't know if you can see the back. There were 52 yeah. miniature blister packs put out back in the late 70s. I myself own 23 or 4 of these on cards. Okay. This is how dedicated I am to the, to, to the game. Okay. <laughs> I've spent a lot of money and time collecting those miniatures. Okay. Will I ever have all 52? I highly doubt it. The fact that I even have almost half of them, I think, is an amazing damn feat. Okay? <laughs> what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to scan the obituary sections for grognards. Yeah. You know, you know, just, now, now, just, now's the time because we're all starting to get a little old. So. Yep, you know. yep. I had an appendix out, so clearly we're, our health is failing. <laughs> yeah. <So, laughs> now is the time to swoop in on some guy. Who you know had a beard, a bald head, and suspenders. You know, there you, go. <laughs> you know, so, some guy who's a Unix programmer. There you <laughs> go. Probably a Unix programmer. <laughs> hey kid, here's a quarter. Go buy yourself an operating system. You know. <laughs> so that's Game World in a nutshell. Again, one of my favorite games. A lot of additions. There's a lot to it. This again, like we said, still relevant nowadays. There's a lot of retro games like Mike had mentioned, so you could get the flavor and feel of it from the mutant future. Because again. Some of these games, some of this stuff still, you know, like I've, I've been trying to get a new copy of my fourth edition. Cause my in, in, the, in the future, Mr. Wallace, I highly recommend we take some time and actually go through the Gamma World uh, uh, modules 
you know, and oh, give yeah. people a rundown of, of the of the fucking towering insanity and wackadoodle that can be found uh, in in uh, you know uh, the ruins of Pittsburgh or you know. Uh, oh what? Or Le Legion of Gold, or Family Legion of Fargo. Legion of Gold, yeah, exactly. Or, or Family of Fargo, the chicken farm, okay? Yes, <laughs> giant mutant cyclops chickens. Now, who can who can say no to that? What's not to love? Yeah, exactly, I love it. Actually, again, one last thing, real quick, I'll add to that, is uh, the guy who did the original art for... I'm pulling my module up here, hold on. Family of Fargo? Family of Fargo. Um, what guy do that's the guy who did all the work for um, uh, Paranoia. Yes, he did a lot of work for Paranoia. And I gotta uh, tell you, I've always suspected that Paranoia was just one corner of Gamma World. Yes, that is a very, very good analogy. Okay, I can't. I, I, would, lo I would love to have my player characters with their mutant bear and their, you know, cactus horse find the city and encounter the computer. Who is okay, your friend? All right, I can't find it, but um, the... Um, looking, are you looking for the uh, Family, Family Fargo? Fargo. Family Fargo. Uh, the artwork, the cover was done by Jim Holloway. Again, one, oh, of, yeah. these, one of these old school guys, you know, like, Je there like, you. like Jeff D. Okay, here's Family Fargo, okay? Is that um, what I, you're looking for? Let me uh, back it up. So what are that, you looking for in it? Yes, that is, you're too close. Back it up, back, 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 back. Very good. Okay, that right there, that, yeah, that, good image. That is a quintessential Gam World. That screams yeah. Gam World right there. Yeah, okay? it does. Now I've emailed Jim Holloway's. Uh, well, he has, he has a he has a handler who you know filters his stuff. Says that because uh, Jim has kind of redone like a lot of folks now, like Jeff D is 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 actively doing. They're like redoing their old art because a lot of it's disappeared from the TSR days. Jim Holloway, who did this cover, is, uh, I, I asked him, he says, it's, he plans to redo that piece and also sell them as prints. So I've been emailing the guy, he says, well, bug me every once in a while. So I, every three to six months, I send him an email, but Jim's very busy, you know, with regular work, like doing for miniatures, and he's like, he says it's on the back burner, but eventually he's going to supposedly redo that cover and do prints of that. I am foaming at the mouth waiting for this. You know, I would love to have that. You know, if he doesn't get around to it soon, I might just go, how much is it to commission it? Okay, I do, I, I'll, I'll take an original piece. I don't care. Okay, you know? let me just point something out. I cracked open Famine in Fargo just to sort of like, you know, see, the, see if I could find where it gave, uh, you know, uh, the credit for that, for that Artist was it Jim Holloway? It's Jim Holloway, right? Okay, so I'm looking for that, and then suddenly I realize I'm, I'm paging through it. And I'm like, huh? There's they're not listing the artists in the credits. There just says you know, designed by TSR. I mean, they give the author's name, and I'm not seeing. But then suddenly I notice that some of the some of the illustrations have names on them, and holy shit, some of the illustrations are by Tim Truman, who did Scout. And um, uh, you know uh, uh, Tecumseh and some of these uh, uh, post-apocalyptic comic books we were mentioning wow. last week. Uh, Tim Truman used to work. Jesus, uh, I guess out of I, 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 he, he was one of these guys in the middle of the '90s that was working for some of these independent publishers. And yeah, the comic book Scout that we mentioned was uh, was one of them. But holy crap, here he is in the misty 
misty dawn of time in 19 what 80 so, two, 82 doing illustrations for TSR I'm I'm kind of blown away by that nice so Holy shit. so hopefully he'll do that and then I can get I can get my grubby paws on and I can put it up on the wall next to my uh, Game World uh, is here poster so um, I'm all, I've also I've also mentioned to Jeff D it's like are you gonna redo your Game World stuff he's like don't worry. There's a lot for me to do. So hopefully he'll get around to doing his jam He's, he's going to redo everything because he goes from one Kickstarter of redoing the original yeah. art to the next. Uh, so, you know, if he hasn't done it yet, he's he is most assuredly going to. Oh, yeah. I can't I can't wait. And like I said, like we talked about, uh, when I eventually get, we do a trip out to Houston, you know, to visit, to visit you, we're yep. going to do it. We're going to do a gaming tour and see because a lot of these guys are in Texas. Jeff's in Texas. A uh, lot of them are. Uh, uh, He's in Texas. Diesel is in Texas. Diesel's in Texas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I want to so see these. Of, Steve so Jackson games, of course. I Austin, to a lot of people are right in the Austin area. They're within like a fifty-mile radius of where I'm sitting right now. So yes, Austin, the uh, the West Berlin of Texas. So I want to, you know, <laughs> so I want to get out there so I can be a raving fanboy. Oh, do you can't roll over for me? You can't roll over for me. You know, so. Uh, so anyway, so yes, I'm completely and totally obsessed with Gamworld. Again, far-reaching game, like I said before, a lot of additions. We'll to, we'll we'll go deeper into some different Gamworld stuff, you know, down the road. Um, so all right, uh, like I said, uh, I'm gonna stop us here because I, I it's like we, I we, said, we, I, we hit an hour about five minutes ago. Okay, no problem. <laughs> so okay, fine, then no problem. But like I said, I could, like I, I think I said at the beginning of the podcast, the first episode. I will talk a lot about Game World. I could talk about it for hours and not stop. So we're going to force a stop on me. So, again, great conversation, guys. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. I appreciate it. Right. You know, I, I, I like throwing in, you know, some other people once in a while just to kind of add to the mix. Add, you well, know, and games things. are what I do. So. And games, and games are what you do. So it's very relevant that you're here and you do the retro clone stuff. So I thought it was, uh, you know, good to have you on. Uh, yeah, glad for, to pitch you. Always. So uh, again, uh, I don't really get any, you know, uh, no closing words for me except nope, for nope. we're 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 out of here. We're done. No closing words. Play Gamma World. You know you know what I'm gonna say about social media. If you haven't done it yet, you ain't gonna do it. So you know whatever. <laughs> you know it's like I can't tell you anymore. So just keep living in your damn cave. All right. Yeah. Live in your damn cave. Yeah. So again, enjoy your yurt. <laughs> so again, Michael, thank you for joining us. I appreciate yes, sir. it. Sir, good being on with you both of you. Thank you again, Scott, uh, and me. We are going to say goodnight, so, and we'll see you again in two weeks. What are we going to talk about next time? I don't know. I don't know. We, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out, and we'll let you know. So, um, you, you people may be the first to know. You may know what the subject is before we do. Exactly. Because so, that's never happened. No, we never done that. <laughs> we never done anything on the fly. So, all right. So, uh, goodnight, folks. Um, I don't know. That's it. Good night. <laughs> Go away. Out Go here. away. That's what you do. And remember, as always, Domars are stupid. stupid. <laughs> Good night, Come folks. On. Come on, Mike. You're supposed to say that with us. Uh, oh, do it again. Do it again. Yeah. And remember, folks. It, it's Domars are stupid. stupid. All right. All right. One more time. All right. <clears throat> and always remember, folks. Don't Don't ours are stupid. stupid. Wow, we're terrible at this. We yeah. really are. We're like you you think I'd have more rhythm for, for an ex-Catholic. <laughs> right. Good night, folks. Goodbye. Good night.